0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Short Tales,
1: a series of short stories usually written and read by me, Damien Robb. But today, we're very lucky to have a guest story written by the winner of the Short Tales Short Story Competition, A.R. Miller. We'll get to their story shortly, but first, I want you to imagine you are watching a YouTube video. On it, a self-proclaimed expert is showing off an artefact, one that is read and engraved and alluring. Soon, you will find yourself obsessing over that artefact, wondering at the secrets it holds. And you are right to wonder, because it holds more than secrets. It also holds answers to questions you hadn't known to ask. Okay, you ready? Good. This episode's story is entitled Perosia. Jonah stared at the PDF displayed on his laptop, and willed himself to start reading. Exhaustion had a tight grip on the backs of his eyes and he massaged them, hoping to loosen that hold long enough to allow him to get through the journal article. He managed to read the title, The Culture and Cults of Ancient Mesopotamia, before his phone vibrated on his desk. Oh, thank God, he muttered and picked up his device. A WhatsApp message from Tabitha cut across his lock screen and he grinned, swiping across to open it. Marius's latest serving of bullshit is up for the world's viewing pleasure. It's a real think piece. You can almost see his two neurons firing. Jonah dropped his phone and turned back to his computer, minimising the article and pulling up a browser. He opened YouTube and selected Marius's channel from his favourites. His latest video waited at the head of the queue, and Jonah clicked on a heading that read, sweetest find yet, you must see this previously undiscovered treasure. His university colleague's face appeared on the screen. His bedroom behind him. He looked like the stock photo results of the keyword dumb, jock, and meathead, with a square-shaped forehead and a bulbous chin, blonde hair shaved close at the sides, leaving a slick of greased back locks on top. It was a stark contrast to Jonah's own dark features and small frame. Marius wore a black muscle top with the word bonehound printed across the chest that Jonah knew was self-made because Marius had, unasked, told him so during a lecture. "'All right, all you wannabe archaeologists out there,' Marius said, clapping his hands together. "'I have an absolute wicked find to share with you today, so strap yourselves in, because this video may knock your socks off. We are heading round the globe to the country of Africa. Continent,' Jonah corrected, "'to a little place known as Beirut. "'Christ,' Jonah said, running a hand down his face. "'That's not even in Africa.' As usual, this item comes courtesy of my dad's collection. Only the old man doesn't know I got it, so no one tell him, all right? (laughs) He snickered at his own joke. Don't sweat, though. He's got so much shit, he won't notice one piece missing. A little background for you. Dad bought this one at a private auction for 1.5 million Australian dollars. Pow! How's that for chump change? Story goes that it was liberated, along with a whole bunch of old crap from some Lebanese insurgent's basement. <laughs> Sucks to be him. Anyway, without any much ado, let me show you the item in question. Marius reached for something out of frame, then held the piece up to the camera. Come on, Jonah muttered, rolling his eyes. At least wear gloves when handling the priceless artifact. The item was about the size and shape of a billiard ball, It was made of a milky, dark red stone, and Jonah noticed that while the middle curve was smooth and polished, the top and bottom were rough, as if parts of the hole had broken off. The bloke who sold it said it's made from jade, Marius said, moving the item away so his face appeared on the screen. Which I was like, red jade? Uh, Isn't it meant to be green? But whatever, the proof's in the pudding. Also cool is that it has this carving on one side. A star, check it out. Marius thrust the item back at the camera, and Jonah waited a beat for the image to focus. When it did, an eight-pointed star could be seen embossed on the jade, its vertical and horizontal arms longer than the diagonal, like the points on a compass. Below the icon, he spotted a word engraved in a blocky text before the screen refilled with Marius's face. Awesome, right? I'm not sure how old it is. Why waste time on trivial details like that, Jonah said. But, at a guess, we're talking... Thousands of years old. Like, basically the Stone Age. This little beauty was probably dug right out of the heart of the Syrian desert. Jonas scoffed. <laughs> Jade comes from China. Or Latin America, not Arabia. So, yeah. Marius rolled the Jade star back and forth between his hands. It's real old. It's super pretty and has this star on the side, which probably meant something to whoever made it. But damned if I know what that was. He rubbed his thumb over the icon and abruptly jerked his hand away. Fuck! Stung me! He inspected his thumb, then stuck it in his mouth and sucked while studying the surface of the star. And that's just one reason why you should wear gloves, Jonah murmured with a tiny grin. Marius set the item down on his desk, shaking his hand. Anyway, Bonehounds, that's it for another edition. Appreciate you tuning in. And as always, do not forget to share and subscribe. There's always room in the entourage for more of my boys. Even if you have the female persuasion, you can still be one of my boys. He winked at the camera and chortled. (laughs) All right, peace out. The video ended and Jonah shook off his reverie and forced himself to click back over to the journal article. He slumped forward, head prompt on his left hand and reread the title. He closed his eyes, opened them, and then clicked across to a new browser and typed the words red, jade, and eight-pointed star. And my first thought was jade doesn't even come from the Arabian Peninsula. It comes from, like, China and New Zealand. And Latin America, Jonah added. Right, Tabitha said, dropping back into the plastic seating of the lecture hall. What a fucking moron. The strong language always jarred coming from the short, sweet-looking girl, but Jonah had grown accustomed to the contradiction. Tabitha was a 20-year-old first-generation Thai who liked to dress in oversized clothes and who only came up to his shoulder. And that was including the mass of dark hair she wore in a messy bun atop her head, which Jonah suspected was done strategically to add to her height. This combination of style and stature always gave her a childlike appearance. She seemed determined to correct every time she opened her mouth. I mean, she continued, propping her feet on the chair in front of her. Just look at the jewellery. Jade is in so much ancient Chinese jewellery, but you won't find it in ancient Arabic bracelets or pendants. My guess is some rich sheik brought this jade star home to Beirut from a Chinese gateway. A one million yarn souvenir. Jonah grunted in agreement. Tabitha glanced at him and slapped his arm with the back of her hand. What's wrong with you? You've barely participated in the a shit session. Huh? Oh, yeah, he's a complete fool. Hard to watch. Tabitha rolled her eyes. That was hard to watch. That's the best you can do. With all the ripe fodder he served up in that vid. Jonah was lost in thought for a moment. It was interesting though, right? The video? No. No, the item, the jade star. There was something intriguing about it. If you're not going to take a verbal dump on a fellow student with me, then what are we even doing here? She sat upright, scanning the slowly filling lecture hall. Where is he, anyway? Surely he wouldn't deprive us of his valuable insights. Jonah snapped from his musings and looked to the front row where Marius always sat, and found the seat empty. He frowned, feeling a swell of disappointment. Damn, he muttered. Tabitha turned to him with a widening grin. You miss him! Jonah blushed and sunk lower in his seat. Shut up. You wish you were first mate of his entourage, don't you? She put on a deep voice. Yeah, bro, sweet t-shirt, bro. I'm a total bone hound. She tipped her head back and howled at the ceiling, and Jonah laughed while trying to get a hand over her mouth. God, you're an embarrassment, he said, ignoring the eyes of the students around them. It's not Marius I'm interested in. I just thought, maybe, you know, he would let me look at the Jade Star. Oh, Tabitha replied with a wink I get it You want to get your hand on Marius's piece Why do I even talk to you? For this intellectually stimulating conversation Speaking of intellectually stimulating Did you finish the Mesopotamia essay? Jonah winced No, not yet What? She turned large eyes on him Don't tell me the ever studious and diligent Jonah Will actually miss an assignment deadline? He shifted uncomfortably I've got two more days. Still, this is how it starts, you know. You towed deadlines, then you're asking for extensions. Next thing you know, you're out on the street selling your ass for heroin. Slight exaggeration. Don't say I didn't warn you. So, why the delay? Have you finally been corrupted by the debauched influence of uni life? Jonah tried and failed to dismiss the image of the Jade Star fixed in his mind. Something like that. Jonah sat in his bed in the dark, the light from his laptop screen painting his face and torso a ghostly white, and clicked and dragged the process bar of the YouTube video a few millimetres across. He stopped and considered the red orb with its embossed star frozen on the screen. Minutes ticked by as he studied the pattern in the rock, the blending hues of red and veins of milky white, and the points of the star, still sharp even though they had been carved out by a hand thousands of years dead. He stared at it. Barely blinking. After a quarter of an hour, Jonah sighed heavily and clicked over to the journal article. He wiggled deeper into the mattress, determined to finish the piece and put together an outline for his essay. He had made it through the first two paragraphs when a notification bubble popped up in the lower right corner of his screen, announcing Marius had posted a new video. Without hesitation, Jonah swiped his finger across the trackpad and clicked. That's right, entourage. Your eyes do not deceive you. Do not adjust your sets. I am back after only a day with a brand new video for you. Marius appeared as he had in his earlier video, although his normally perfectly slicked back hair was tousled as if he had just gotten out of bed. There were also bags under his eyes, although the eyes themselves gleamed with a feverish energy. After the absolutely outstanding response to my latest vid, I thought I owed it to you to post a follow-up. Seriously, I cannot fucking believe it. I had about 300 subscribers. Now I'm up to over a 1,000. He clapped, throwing his head back. That's like double the amount of boys in the entourage. Jonah rolled his eyes at Marius's maths. Huge greetings to all you new Bonehounds. You're digging on the jade ball, right? So I figure, why not make another vid about it? I called my old man and asked him a bunch of questions, all secret-like because he doesn't know about this channel, and now I'm passing along those juicy deets to you. Don't say I don't do anything for you. As a recap, here's what the item in question looks like. The screen filled with a blur of red that cleared to show the jade star. Jonah leant in, eyes dancing across the image, and grimaced when Marius reappeared. So this little beauty is apparently some holy relic, or what's left of it, because there had to be more at one point, She's not built to last. (laughs) The guy who sold it said it was super old and used to be some idol, and Arabs used to pray to it or whatever. Uh, maybe it was Christian or Islamic, there's plenty of Islams out that way, or who knows, maybe even some weird cult that prays the goat or something. People prayed to all sorts of weird shit back in the day. He held the piece of jade closer to his face, rotating it slowly, mesmerised by the patterns in the stone. Super pretty though, he said in a quieter voice. His thumb grazed over the star, then continued down over the text. Oh yeah, I didn't even notice last time, but there's also a word here. Dad didn't know what it said, and I don't speak... Arabies or whatever, so I guess it remains a mystery. He continued to stroke the stone surface with the pat of his thumb, eyes glued to the jade star. Jonah lifted the laptop higher and also stared at the piece. The glossy, deep red reminded him of blood, as if something had bled over the jade, impregnating it with a dark hue. Anyway, Marius broke in. That's all I got. I hope your new subscribers got a kick out of it. I'm really digging this find. I think you all are too, so I'll probably come back with some more about it. Till then keep sharing and subscribing. The entourage has room for all. Peace. Jonah kept watching as Marius looked back at the orb, sighed, and then, almost as an afterthought, reached out to stop the recording. Jonah slumped back as a tiling of suggested videos filled the player. He stared blankly at the screen for a minute, then glanced down at the PDF icon in his taskbar. He drummed his fingers below the keyboard, then dragged his cursor along the video's progress bar until the Jade Star was centred in the player. On impulse, he set the computer down on the mattress and threw off his doona, scrambling over to his desk and returning with a pad of paper and a pen. He sat cross-legged and drew out the word carved in the jade. The process was slow, as the word was written in an unfamiliar alphabet, but like a child making his letters for the first time, he reproduced the shapes until he was satisfied he had made a true copy. Jonah fished his phone from the blankets and opened the camera app, turning on the flash and taking a photo of his drawing. He played with the brightness and contrast of the image until the lettering stood out crisp and black on a white background, then dropped his phone and settled his laptop back on his lap. He downloaded the edited photo from the cloud and then did an image search using the file. After 40 minutes of searching, he had a handful of scripts that looked vaguely like the word he had written, but not enough to be certain or to provide a translation. With just a single word as reference, hitting upon the correct dead language felt like sifting through an ocean searching for a speck of gold. He would need some help. He found his phone and swiped it open. Any chance you're up for an ad hoc study sesh at uni tomorrow, 10am? I'll buy you a donut. He chewed on a thumbnail while waiting to see if Tabitha was awake and would respond. His device vibrated. Seriously? Have you not finished your essay yet? Since when do you need my help? Jonah typed in a flurry of thumbs. Not the essay. Something I found on the Jade Star. Thought it'd be cool to discover something that's been a mystery for thousands of years. Not bad for a Wednesday, right? Marius's thing? Fuck, I don't know. It's probably not even authentic. You barely have a life as it is. Is this really how you want to spend your free time? Come on, Tabby. Aren't discoveries like this why we signed up for the course in the first place? What if we hit something big? It would be published all over the place. And what if I waste a perfectly good day I could have spent in my bed, scrolling through Instagram and eating Maltesers? What if I'm right and Marius gets the credit? Jonah felt a tick of nervousness while watching the three dots bounce on his phone screen. I want two donuts. And coffee. He made a tight fist in victory. Jonah spotted Tabitha striding down the row of computers to where he was working by a large wall of windows. The library hummed with soft conversation and the tapping of keys, and she moved through the cloud of calm like a tiny lioness stalking across the savannah. It is too early to be studying something that will not contribute to my final marks, she said. Here, the promised offerings. Eat, drink, and be merry. Jonah slid a paper bag and take away a coffee cup across the table. Tabitha considered the goods, then flopped into a desk chair and dug into her breakfast. Once the donuts had been devoured, she leaned back, sipped her coffee and asked, So what are we doing? Jonah turned to the library computer and opened an image file, displaying the script he had drawn and photographed the night before. I traced this from a still of the Jade Star. The goal for today is to figure out what it says. Marius didn't have a clue. Huge surprise. Tabitha leaned in and studied the lettering. It almost looks like runes. That's what I thought too, but I've already managed to rule out Germanic, Anglo-Saxon and Scandinavian runes. Doesn't leave much for that line of inquiry. What are you thinking? Red jade isn't super common, so I figure we try and pinpoint the countries where it's been found and then look at the ancient languages from those areas. I guess we should also look at ancient Arabic languages, given Marius's claim that's where it came from. So, just random spots from across the whole world then. You already ate the donuts. The covenant has been made. She scowled but turned to a computer and logged in. They worked side by side for the next two hours, comparing images of a variety of scripts found on pottery shards, scratched into ruins, leather and stone. They broke for lunch and, over a sandwich in the university cafeteria, Jonah announced what they had both concluded. Marius was right. Tabitha nodded, chewing without enthusiasm. "'I can't believe that idiot was right,' he repeated. Tabitha swallowed. "'Look, even a blind chicken finds worms now and then. "'The good news is we've narrowed it down to the Arabian Peninsula. "'Now we just have to find the exact dialect. "'There's a reference section for somatic languages in the stacks.' "'There is?' "'Of course. "'You didn't use it for the Mesopotamia essay? "'Have you even started?' Jonah took a large bite from his sandwich to avoid answering the question. Once they finished eating, they headed downstairs to the low ceiling tall that held the stacks. The air in the long room was stuffy, the looming rows of bookshelves creating puddles of shadow and artificial light. Tabitha led them through the maze of shelves and stopped before a collection of hardback books covered in cracked sleeves of aged plastic. "'Dig in,' she said dryly, and pulled a large tomb off the shelf." The process was painstaking, each rifling through the musty books in pursuit of any black and white image that paired with the photo on Jonah's phone. They hunched together and studied the angle of each stroke of the icons, debating and disagreeing on the similarity of shaky lines drawn thousands of years ago. I think I've got it, Jonah said, looking up from a large book balanced on his crossed legs. Tabitha Slam closed the volume she had been scrutinising. Thank fuck, show me. Here. He said, sliding the book across to her See the first two characters? They're a perfect match for the third and fifth letters on the Jade Star Tabitha looked back and forth between the reference book and Jonah's phone She huffed through her nose I think you're right What is this anyway? Sophatic, A language primarily found throughout Syria Mary said the item comes from Lebanon, which borders Syria Okay, let's not drag this out any longer What does it say? Jonah shrugged I don't know, I just saw the match I still have to translate it Tabitha flicked her hand so, translate it. Jonah took the book back and began studying the pages. Piece by piece, he found the components of the word and how they functioned in the Sephatic grammar, then googled on his phone for a word that paired with the sense of what he had put together. As he worked, he felt a building pressure to solve this, to get closer to understanding the Jade Star, a hunger to satiate. Huh, he said, frowning at his phone, unsure if his hunger was satisfied or not. Christ, don't milk him. What have you got? Tabitha sat up from where she was reclining against a row of book spines It may not be a perfect translation I am begging you, just spit it out If I'm right, then the closest English word is mediatrix They looked at each other for a beat What does that mean? Tabitha asked No idea, Jonah replied She dropped her head into her hands I should have asked for my donuts. Jonah sat at his desk the only light in the small dark room that of the laptop screen, and scrolled through another website. The page was titled Mary, the Mother of God. He quickly skimmed over the sections that repeated what he had read in the previous ten searches, scanning for any mention of the Jade Star. Tiredness pulled at his bones, but he didn't think he could sleep even if he tried. The translation had only intensified his hunger to discover more. He got to the end of the page and sighed, then clicked over to a Wikipedia article with the heading Religion in Pre-Islamic Arabia. A pad rested under his hand, and he idly drew another 8-pointed star on top of the collection that already filled the page. A bing from his computer pulled him from his reading, and he glanced down to see a notification bubble announcing a new video posted by Marius. He frowned and glanced at the time, and saw it was 2 in the morning. He moaned and rubbed his eyes. It was well past time he should have been in bed. He clicked on the Windows logo and moved his cursor over the power button. He looked back at the notification bubble waiting in the corner of his screen. He let the cursor hover for a moment, and then swiped across, and clicked the notification. Marius sat in the dark, lit by the light of his screen, and stared down the barrel of the camera. He wore a black singlet and his hair was a tangled mess atop his head, and a light shading of stubble showed on his normally manicured cheeks and chin. Judging from the unmade bed behind him, Jonah reasoned he must have woken and immediately started recording. Ah, uh, Marius started and cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Shit, I don't know, but I just had the weirdest dream. The usual braggadocio was absent from his voice, and if Jonah didn't know better, he would have said he looked frightened. It, uh, it was about the jade thing, so I figured I should tell you all. You're probably going to think I'm fucking nuts. He halfed a humorless laugh, then his eyes grew unfocused and he shrunk in on himself, as if cold. I was on top of some mountains, like a shit ton of mountains, because they just kept going all around me it was night and there was snow everywhere and a full moon and i was lost i was then there was this person only i couldn't really see them because they were all in shadows but their outline kind of looked like a, a person someone big and they spoke and jesus it was as if their voice was vibrating inside my fucking bones they said uh marius licked his lips they said be not afraid which was pretty funny because I was goddamn terrified. Jonah was shocked to see Marius visibly trembling. They said they were an angel. You believe that? I thought angels were supposed to be all sweet and shit, but they didn't sound sweet. They sounded amused, like they knew I was pissing myself and thought it was a great laugh. They said, and I know this is super fucked, they said I was chosen to bear the child of God. And I laughed. I was like, bro, I'm a dude. How the hell am I meant to bear a child? But they didn't, give a shit. They just smiled and then they, they, fuck, I don't know why I'm crying. Jonah leant in and saw he was right. There were tears tracing down Marius's cheeks. They said I should prepare to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It sounded like a threat. Marius sniffed and wiped at his nose with the back of his hand. And then this huge bright light fucking blinded me, and when it let up, I could see from this star in the night sky, shaped exactly what's on the thing, and I could see them, the person, the angel, they were like a moving statue from the same stuff, the red jade, and they were huge. I lifted an arm, Maris's voice broke, tears again leaking from his eyes, and the hand was made from gold, and they reached out, and I really... Didn't want them to touch me with that gold hand and I thought I was going to hurl because I knew they were going to touch me and I couldn't do nothing about it. And then they did. They put a finger to my head and fuck me, it hurt. He fell silent and he looked small sitting hunched in the dark. It really fucking hurt. Marius was looking down and Jonah realized he was focused on his fist and the jade ball clutched there. The skin stretched over his knuckles was white with the strain of his grip. He snivelled. It still hurts. Marius continued to stare at the Jade Star, unmoving. And after two minutes, Jonah wondered if there was something wrong with the video. He clicked through, first one minute jumps, then two, the player displaying the same shot of Marius at his desk. Jonah squinted and could see the faintest rise and fall of Marius's chest. Not frozen footage then. He scrolled to the end of the video, jumping ten more minutes, and let the final minute of the video play out. He flinched when he heard the sound of a sigh come through his speakers. (sighs) Marius had turned to stare down the camera again. His pupils were black and dilated in the dim light. The video player flickered to an end. Jonah flopped back into his desk chair, unease squirming through his stomach. He chewed at his lip, confused by what he had seen. His eyes roved over his open tabs, trying to connect Marius' vision with what he'd discovered so far. He sat forward and opened a new tab and typed, "'Red figure, golden hand.'" Jonah strode across the courtyard, unmindful of the sunlight drenching the trees around him and grass underfoot with a golden haze. He spotted Tabitha on a bench by the faculty building, head tipped back against the wooden slates and eyes closed as she soaked in the warmth and pointed himself in her direction. He kicked her shoe as he stopped before her. "'Are you sleeping?' She lazily opened her eyes, took a sip from the coffee cup in her hand, then looked at him. I was having the most lovely dream, and then you showed up. Funny you should mention dreams, he said, wiggling in beside her. She straightened and regarded him. Fuck me, you look like something my cat fished out from under the couch. What's wrong with you? I couldn't sleep. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Seriously, you look like something my cat buried in her litter box a week ago. Very colourful. I've got an update on the Jade Star. I have more, but fine. You figure out what a mediatrix was? He nodded. Have you watched Marius's latest video? He's posted another one? Jonah ran through a description of Marius' dream, trying to capture their colleague's distressed state. Honestly, he looked petrified. From a dream? Tabitha rolled her eyes. Give me a break. I'm not done. You asked about the translation. In all my research, the word mediatrix was most commonly used in relation to Mary. Jesus' mum? Exactly. Mediatrix is just the female form of the word mediator, and she was the mediator between heaven and earth, between God and man. In Marius's dream, he was visited by an angel who told him he would bear the son of Christ. Sound familiar? She scrunched up her face. Not really. That's exactly how Mary found out she would give birth to Jesus. All right, lay off. I'm a Buddhist. You lucky I even know who Mary is. I looked into Marius' description of the angel—a red jade statue with a gold hand. This matches perfectly with the description of a god from an ancient Arabic religion. Hubal, or sometimes called Baal, or Dushara, was worshipped in pre-Islamic times. And they worshipped him by praying to a red stone idol with one hand made from gold. He stared at her wide-eyed. Tabitha considered this. Freaky. What was this god's deal? The usual, prayers and sacrifices. What, human sacrifices? No, camels. Huh, she said. Seems like a waste of good camels. One story I read said a tribal chief made a pact with Hubal, stating that if he blessed him with ten healthy sons, he would sacrifice one to the god in exchange. Dad of the year material there. Mm. So he goes on to have ten sons, and once they're all grown, this chief explains to them the bargain he made. He tells them to get an arrow and inscribe their name along the shaft to determine who should be sacrificed. And the kids just went along with it. Apparently, she shook her head. Fucking idiots. The chief goes to the idol and throws the arrows before it, and one arrow sticks upright in the dirt. The name scratched on it is that of his favoured son. Isn't that always the way? The chief can't go through with it, so he sacrifices 100 camels instead. Must have been a good deal, because Hubal accepts, and a lucky thing too, because the boy went on to Father Muhammad. Thank God for the camels. Amen. But the point is, the Jade Star has to be the same idol, right? Or What's left of it? Tabitha bunched her mouth to the side. I'll give you that piece of Marius's could have been this Hubble idol, but so what? Our dear Marius has a dream wherein he's told he's the Second Coming's new mama, a decidedly Christian reference, yet the deliverer of the message is some ancient Arabic religion? How does that fit? Jonah deflated a little. Yeah, I haven't been able to find a link there. Because there is none. Marius is just jumbling up his mythologies and spouting out his usual shit on the internet. He shook his head. You're oversimplifying. Marius admitted he didn't know what the word on the jade meant, which means there's no way the Immaculate Conception just coincidentally popped into his head. Plus, do you really think he did any research before making these videos? So how would he be able to describe this Hubal idol so exactly? Tabitha opened her mouth, frowned, then closed it again. The facts as I see them, Jonah continued, is that we have an item that was an integral component of an ancient religion that is engraved with a word directly related to the Christian mythos. This is weird, but technically explainable. Maybe some Christian decide to deface a pre-Christian artifact. Although why mediatrix be the graffiti of choice, I have no idea. But what defies explanation is that Marius dreamed these things. He dreamed them, Tabby. She folded her arms. You got me there. But again, so what? What are we meant to do with this? He looked out over the courtyard. I want to visit him. Who? Marius? Why? He dry-washed his hands while searching for the words. It's just... Something's going on. Okay, why do you care? Because I want answers. Okay, to what? He threw his arms in the air. To all the questions, the big ones, to what the hell we're doing here on a pebble in infinite space. How does it all exist? Why? Tabitha was shocked by the outburst, her peevishness replaced with genuine concern. Where's this coming from? I don't know, he said in a softer voice. Doesn't everyone wonder? She shrugged guess, but it doesn't keep me awake at night. Jonah leant back into the bench. You know, I used to be a good little Catholic boy. Mass every Sunday, prayers before bed, the works. I didn't wonder then. I already knew the answers. Only as I got older and saw the god-awful suffering going on every day, the idea of a loving and merciful God felt like a bad joke. I felt like I'd been lied to and wanted an explanation for... He gestured around. All of this. And you think... Marius has those answers, she asked, raising her brows. I don't know, I just enrolled in this course figuring somewhere in all our history there must be some clue as to what the hell is going on. So far it's been dry, clinical narrations of minute details that in no way clarifies the big picture, but this, he said, unlocking his phone and showing a still of Marius in the dark, holding the Jade Star, is outside any textbook or journal article I've ever read. Tabitha regarded the phone for a long beat and then shrugged. Okay, let's visit him. Seriously? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a fat waste of time and all we'll learn is what Marius's room smells like, but I get it. I'm lucky. My belief system has always helped me. If not make sense of the world, then at least be at peace with it. But if you're missing that and talking to this idiot, she bobbed her head towards the phone, might bring you some inner calm, then I'm here for you, buddy. Jonah smiled. I'm shocked. Mostly by the claim that you're at peace with the world. She hit him. Oh, I see it now. Super zen. She looked back at the phone and Marius' face on the screen. He is an idiot, though. Maybe. We'll see, I suppose. But if it means anything to you, this video has been viewed. Jonah leant down. Crap. 8,000 times. She scowled. That just means there's 8,000 other idiots out there. You really have to teach me how to achieve such inner peace. She hit him again.
0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Let me try again, Jonah said, and pressed the button set below the camera lens. He waited for the doorbell sounds to echo from inside, but heard nothing. Then reasoned that wasn't surprising given the size of what could only be called a mansion that he stood before. He shifted his feet on the wide marble front step and waited. We tried, Tabitha explained, crossing her arms and hunching. He's not here. Let's just go. "'Give it a minute, will you? "'It's probably a one-kilometre trip from his bedroom to the front door. "'I don't like this place,' she said, "'scanning the perfectly manicured gardens "'that sprawled either side of the matte black driveway. "'Creeps me out.' "'Yeah, it's a real dive,' Jonah drawled, "'then flinched at the sound of the door lock clicking. "'The large door swung inwards, "'revealing Marius framed in the doorway. "'He gazed at them blankly, eyes half-lidded "'and ringed with deep shadows from exhaustion. "'He wore a black singlet and a pair of cotton shorts.' Yeah, Marius said, voice flat and disinterested. Ah, hi, Jonah said. It's Jonah and Tabby, you know, from your course. He didn't respond for a moment, just looked between the two of them. Oh, shit, he eventually managed. Yeah, yeah, you're at my house. Yes, we are, I, uh, we noticed you hadn't been in class this week. We thought we'd check up on you, you know, make sure you're okay and all that. We really missed your valuable input during lectures, Tabitha chimed in. Jonah scowled over his shoulder at her while Marius just stared. I right, come in.' He stepped back into the foyer and Jonah and Tabitha followed. The entryway of the house was larger than Jonah's bedroom and set the theme of the residence as disgustingly wealthy. Curving walls led away to different wings of the house, gleaming wooden balustrades marched upwards to further floors, while artwork hung on walls or displayed on stands in almost every direction the eye could see." Marius traipsed through it, unseeing, leading them through an ornate sitting room and into a room lined with chest-high plinths with rows of downlights set in the ceiling, illuminating the stands. "'You want to see Dad's collection, right?' Marius asked in a toneless voice. Jonah stepped into the room and stopped, Tabitha bumping into his back. "'What are you?' She trailed off as she surveyed the room. Archaeological pieces sat displayed on the plinths, priceless items spanning across all cultures and time periods. "'This is the weapons room.' Marius said with a wave of his hand. "'Weapons room?' Tap the the Jonah. "'Meaning there's other rooms?' They padded in, each moment careful and considered as they stepped between the items. Filigreed golden daggers were followed by roughly hewn stone axes and beautifully lacquered bows. Swords of various styles spread across one wall in an arc like the rays of the sun, while the opposite wall was decorated with arrows patterning the surface like three-dimensional wallpaper. "'This is, um, like, cutlery room?' Marius said from an archway at the far end of the room, apparently unaware they had fallen back. Jonah pulled his gaze from the items and trotted cautiously to keep up. They moved into a similarly styled room, only this time earthenware jugs, engraved silver dishware and ceramic bowls from thousands of years ago held place of pride. Jonah was speechless. Except for visits to the museum, all his study had been theoretical. This was like stepping into a textbook. Tabitha grabbed his arm and squeezed so tight it hurt. "'I know, I know,' he whispered, shaking her off. Marius was already mounting a staircase at the end of the room, taking each step with the trudge of a man heading to the gallows. Jonah jogged to catch up. At the head of the stairs was another display room. "'This is all the religious crap,' Marius said with another half-hearted wave. Ancient books sat atop the stands, sharing the space with tribal masks, carved figures and ornamental jewellery. Jonah saw his opening to bring up the real reason for his visit. "'Is this where you found the Jade Star?' He asked to back. Marius stopped and turned, his gaze focused for the first time since he'd answered the door. How do you know about that? Your channel on YouTube? His posture relaxed and Marius gave a small smile. A bone hound, should have guessed. Sweet. His expression dropped from his face and he shuffled on. Jonah looked at Tabitha with a frown. She shrugged. He continued after the bigger man. Marius ducked through another doorway, crossed a hall, and stepped into a bedroom that Jonah recognised from the videos, although the space was more of a mess than he remembered. Clothes had been tossed in the drawers, magazines spilled across the floor, the bedding all but knotted on the bed. The contents of the desk had been swept aside, making a pile of possessions, including Marius's laptop under the window. In the centre of the cleared desktop sat the Jade Star. Jonah felt an almost physical pull towards it. He wanted to handle it, to feel its weight, to study the flowing pattern of reds, to run his fingers across the embossed star and inscribed text. A shove from behind broke his trance as Tabitha pushed into the room. Marius dropped onto the mattress, flopped an arm over his eyes and apparently forgot they were there. Jonah and Tabitha eyed each other and shuffled towards the desk where they waited uncomfortably. Marius could have been sleeping for all they knew. So, are you okay, man? Jonah asked. There was a long silence in which Tabitha shot Jonah a worried look before Marius answered. Nah, feel like shit. Yeah, I figured. You didn't look too hot in your last vid. Jonah gave him time to respond, but pushed on when Marius failed to even twitch. I actually wanted to talk a bit about that vid, if that's alright. There were some things you said that, I guess, sparked my interest. There was a long pause, and then Marius's flat voice came from behind his thick forearm. Yeah, I make good vids. Right, cool. So you mentioned your dream, and there were some parts that actually pairs up with things I found in my research. I was interested in the Jade Star, right, and found a connection between the star with the angel you saw. Marius shifted at the mention of the angel, but gave no other sign he was listening. Turns out, the figure you describe sounds a lot like an idol from ancient Arabic times. Like, a lot like it. The god was called Hubal, Marius moaned, his hips thrusting up in the air and to the left, his head twisting in the opposite direction, face burrowing into the pillow. For a long beat, the moan continued, muffled by the material, then his body thumped back onto the mattress. Marius pulled his knees up into the fetal position. Don't... don't say... oh god... the gold hand... no... mustn't say... god... oh fuck... get out of there! A chill washed through Jonah. Marius's gibbering continued without pause. Red jade eyes watching all the time, moving around in there. I'm scared. I'm fucking scared. I'm not good. Not enough talk shit. So much shit to fill the silence when I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Dad never likes what I say, but I don't want to go. Don't eat me up. God, the gold hand. Stop it. Keep it away from me. The last word came out as a shriek. Jonah was terrified at seeing the always confident Marius reduced to a babbling child. He felt frozen in place. Tabitha stepped around him and knelt beside the bed, touching her fingers to the back of Marius's hand. It's okay. Just breathe, yeah? Try and tell us what you mean. Was Jonah actually right? Something to do with the idol, Hubal? At her question, Marius's body jerked ramrod straight, the muscles in his cheeks rippling with the tension of his clenched jaws. His eyes bulged in their sockets and locked onto Jonah's, his gaze screaming silently. Something about the anguish in the man's expression penetrated Jonah's fugue, and he darted forwards, grasping Tabitha around the waist and pulling her backwards. They tumbled to the floor, and Jonah raised his head to see Marius wrench his arms up, hands gnarled like claws, and rake his fingers down his scalp and forehead. Ruby beads of blood welled in the tracks of his nails. Oh, fuck off, Tabitha swore. Marius's chest swelled, and he let out a deafening roar, the sound so coarse, Jonah was sure it must be flaying the man's throat. After what felt like longer than a human body should be able to sustain, the cry wound down, becoming a gurgling sputter and finally settling into low, rasping breaths. Jonah helped Tabitha stand and they shuffled from the bed until their backs touched the wall. Do we do CPR? Tabitha asked. He's still breathing, Jonah responded. They jumped when Marius moved, his upper body pivoting upright until his head hung between his knees. He took a few calming breaths before raising his face to consider them. The eyes that stared at them had irises the colour of red jade. Thank yous are in order. The voice came out gravelly and deep. Like true disciples, you arrived in my time of need. Marius? Jonah probed. Try again. Hupal, Tabitha whispered. They tipped their head back like someone savouring the sunlight and sighed. It does me wonders to hear that name again. I understand I have you to thank for digging it from the sands of time. They fixed Jonah with a stare, and he found his throat was too dry to respond. The mere utterance of a name can be an act of worship, wouldn't you agree? Hubal asked, shifting to the edge of the bed and crossing one leg over the other. Their shoulders sagged at this small effort, but they summoned a smile. A prayer, seeking that which is lost. Your use of mine certainly helped me navigate the maze of this mediator's mind quite a tangled mess in here. They picked up the edge of a blanket and dabbed blood from their face. Jonah swallowed and found his voice. Fuck me. Hubal tuttered. Come now. Language like that is not befitting an educated man. Their expression was serious. Red eyes flinty. I expect better from you. The next second their face relaxed and they stretched their head first towards one shoulder then the other. The human body can be a stiff and sore thing, no? But still, better than no body at all. Now, we have some time, and I am certain you have some queries. As my first disciples, I will allow you the gift of a little question and answer. You can think of it as history come to life. He spread his hands in a welcoming gesture before placing them on his lap. Jonah made a sound in his throat, glanced at Tabitha, who appeared to be waging her own battle with fear and losing, and forced his muscles to loosen enough to allow words out. "'It's true, then? You're Hubal?' The thing that was Marius let out a chuckle. "'That much is obvious.' His expression grew hooded. "'Don't forget my expectations of you now.' Jonah looked down. He frowned as he thought. "'But if you're Hubal, then why the Christian references?' The word on the idol, the visitation in a dream as if you were Gabriel appearing to Mary. Hubal stabbed a finger at Jonah. Yes, a question more befitting a disciple. They allowed themselves a small smile, red eyes gleaming. I must admit, that has proven to be one of my more clever ploys. Jonah waited, confused. Devotion is such a fickle thing. I was worshipped for, perhaps, a few hundred years. They came to my idol and groveled before me. They shed blood in my honour. They uttered my name during their victories and losses and I fed well from both. Father brought son to my altar who in turn brought their son. But then one day the son says, I don't understand your beliefs, father, and the supply chain is broken. The son has heard of a new religion, a true religion, and it is here he directs his devotion, and poor Hubal begins to grow hungry. It doesn't matter that this new god is no wiser or merciful or wrathful than their discarded god no, their voice is a furnace as they roar this condemnation. They want for something new, and so project their pathetic desires on a different idol. Their hands have become fists and they carefully splay their fingers and lay them back in their lap. Fine, I am nothing if not adaptable. A fresh start is in order, but building a following from scratch is no easy task, and I am growing hungrier by the day. What's a god to do? Then I think, why not solve both problems at once? It occurs to me that I could cuckold this new god and harnish those fickle devotees in the same manoeuvre. They lick their lips and grin. A rebranding, I believe your generation would call it. Jonah felt short of breath as he began to comprehend. It was not so hard to find a fool in whose womb I could implant myself, a mediatrix. The discarded idol made for an excellent implantation device, having held so much of my virility over the years. She readily believed she carried the son of the new god because she wanted to believe. They took a deep breath and considered. Granted, it was a gamble, but I can be a gambler when the occasion calls for it. My last remaining followers dwindled during my conveyance in the woman and the subsequent wait to mature to manhood. They tilted their head to one side. I failed to consider how dismissed the human child can be, even one imbued with godhood. It left me starving. But, they clapped their hands together, jolting Jonah, the gambit paid off. I eventually proclaimed myself as the son of their beloved new god, gave myself the name of Jesus, and feasted at the new god's table. Things were a little rocky at the outset, I'll allow, but I used that unpleasantness to consolidate belief. I became the god and the people went out with words and weapons and shepherded worship into my cup. They dragged a thumb slowly across their bottom lip, suppressing a smile. As I say, a rather clever ploy. Jonah's vision tilted and he grasped the desk for balance. He forced himself to look into Marius's face and could only see the creature lurking within. You're telling us that you're... He coughed a laugh of incredulity. <laughs> you're Jesus? They shrugged. In so much as there is a Jesus, or a Hobal, or a Baal, I am a focal point for devotion. That is all that matters. Jonah absorbed this, piecing the story together with what he'd been taught each Sunday as a child. He shook his head. But... Jesus, you were worshipped in every country on this planet. By your own metaphor, you must be stuffed full of prayers. So what are you doing here, in Melbourne of all places, and in Marius of all people? Hubal nodded their head in satisfaction. Because my earlier statement remains as true today as millennia ago. Devotion is a fickle thing. The congregation is waning. Atheism is rising as more of you decide you are big enough and smart enough to brave this world without a guiding hand. Why, even you, Jonah, have deemed my worship as no longer necessary to your moral well-being, correct? The question slithered out like a snake and Jonah couldn't miss the underlying threat. He floundered for a response but was cut off by a wave of Hubal's hand. No, don't bother. That transgression is forgiven. You are young and know no better. However, I trust this conversation is proving educational. They arched a brow but didn't wait for an answer. The faithlessness of followers was a lesson I did not need repeated. And so I built in a contingency. A foretold second coming to remove doubt from the unbelievers. And here I am. Coming again. A voice spoke from behind Jonah, causing him to jump, heart pounding in his ears. It was Tabitha, composed enough to find her voice. But what Jonah said is still true for every unconverted atheist. There's still a million Christians singing hymns to Jesus. A tooth-filled grin inched across Hubal's face. When one is used to eating their fill, their appetite grows accordingly. I have a very large appetite. The hairs at the back of Jonah's neck stood upright. Okay, Tabitha said, audibly soloing. That's fucking creepy. So you've sat on this plan for thousands of years, and now you've chosen Marius for your big return. Marius. Does not the Bible say, The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles? I don't know, Tabitha replied. Hubal let out an unnerving chuckle. <laughs> You are a disrespectful child, but careful now, my patience has limits. Regardless, I was being droll. I used Marius because he was there to be used. They rolled their eyes. I made the mistake of grafting all my regenerative seed into the idol, which was meant to be kept safe, but was stolen and transported to this home. I could not rebirth myself without a mediatrix or mediator in this case, and Marius presented an opportunity when he so kindly manhandled the idol. Should have worn gloves, Jonah mumbled. In truth, the vessel is trivial, although appearing as a wealthy white male will probably expedite the process. Lucky me. Jonah felt a flush of anger pierce his fog of fear. This thing was so confident, so self-assured that humanity would just fall into line. It won't work. The red gaze fell on him. What won't work? This second coming, people aren't as gullible as in the past. They're not happy with simple answers to complex questions. They sneered. People are as idiotic and manipulable as ever. Your volume of fools grows exponentially with your population. Rather than nailing men to a cross, they now spew their impotent anger on this internet you have created. They are pathetic and stupid and unhappy and take their frustrations out on those they perceive as outsiders. I will use all of this and these people will flock to me like rats to scraps. I will be the solution to all their woes and provide freedom from the perceived impediments of their rights. Jonah scowled. And let's not forget the impoverished and abused who have also increased in number in this golden age. Those denied rights and clean drinking water and security. A miracle or two and they will drop any doubts and swim willingly into my net. Grateful to find an authority with at least the pretense of mercy. Hubal panted, their eyes gleaming with hunger. Unable to provide a rebuttal, Jonah deflated. Tabitha narrowed her eyes at their heaving form. But you're weak, she said softly. I warned you to be careful, Hubal growled. I was wondering why we're even having this conversation. If you've been feeding off humanity for the past 2,000 years, why not just go out and conquer the world? But you can not even take over Marius without us saying your name. The utterance of a name is an act of worship. That's what you said, right? This, this rebirth has you as weak as a baby. You have to start from scratch. You can gamble when you need to. You said that, too. There was a long silence in which Hubar regarded them with a frozen expression that broke when the god let out a cackle. You are so astute. It is true. The majority of the vitality I've enjoyed these many years was given up when taking on this new body. But once again, I am blessed with fortune, this time in the form of you, my first disciples of this age. You will go forth and spread word of my arrival, and in doing so set the all-important wheel of worship turning. Jonah felt his anger return in a violent bloom at the back of his head. We won't do that. Yeah, Tabitha said, fuck off. Hubal uncrossed his legs and pushed themselves up off the mattress. You are correct that I do not currently enjoy my usual metaphysical prowess, but do not think I am powerless. This conversation that you believed was to buy time has in fact been feeding me all the while. So my question to you regarding your new appointment is, what makes you think I need your consent? There was a fraction of a second wherein Jonah read their intent in the lines of their body. He shoved Tabitha to the side the same instant Hubal darted forward, moving with viper-like speed. Jonah bumped against the desk and grabbed the only item left on its surface. With a cry of fear and rage, he swung his arm around as hard as he could, cracking the jade star into the side of Hubal's head. The guard staggered back and Jonah darted through the space he left, wrenching Tabitha up from the ground and pulling her through the doorway. They staggered across the hall and into the room of religious artefacts, stumbling between the plinths towards the staircase at the end. Hubal charged after them, uncaring of the obstructions, spilling priceless pieces across the floor. Tabitha reached the stairs first and sprinted down, Jonah close on her heels. He stepped too wide, missing a step, and fell. Tabitha spun at his bark of alarm and managed to catch him, but both hit the landing hard as they spilled into the pottery room. They skidded into the nearby stands, items raining down around them and the sound of shattering ceramics filling the air. The floor vibrated with a thump, and Joan looked up to see Hubal standing over them. This is not necessary, they said, breathing hard. You will be glad to be my disciple once. I've worked a small act of persuasion, ecstatic even. Just give yourself into my hands. Tabitha's foot pistoned out hard against their shin and they growled in annoyance, swatting her with the back of their hand and sending her sliding across the stone. Jonah called after her, then was jerked upright by his left arm. He clawed at the ground with his free hand, fingers scrambling between fragments of pottery. Hubal had both hands around his forearm and heaved him off the ground. I had higher hopes for you, Jonah. I believed you could be brought around willingly. To be honest, you didn't strike me as a fighter. Jonah twisted around. A ceramic shard clutched in his fist and raked the jagged edge across the inside of both of Hubal's straining wrists. Dark blood flashed and Jonah hit the ground. The roar of the god echoed in the enclosed space. Jonah was on his feet in a second, joining Tabitha who was already fleeing into the next room. He glanced back to see Hubal clutching at their wrists, stemming the flow leaking between their fingers. Enough! Hubal bellowed, moving through the doorway into the weapon room. The word vibrated with power, overwhelming Jonah's brain in a flood of pure terror, freezing him in place. Hubal left a pattern of droplets on the marble tiles as he stalked between the plinths, red eyes gleaming in the artificial light. You prove... My point. People haven't changed. You are still savage and simple creatures who react with violence and respond only to fear. So be it. I attempted to be a generous God, but instead I shall be a wrathful God and demand my sacrifice. Their final words slipped under the spell Hubal had cast on Jonah, pulling forth a memory and an idea. Could you hold their attention? Just for a second. Tabitha's eyes widened. Are you serious? Please, Jonah begged. Tabitha scowled, but then turned their expression to Hubal. You're the only simple savage thing here, she spat. They raised their brows in bemusement. Anyone can push people the way they want using fear and brute strength, but that's a far cry from worship. Jonah stepped between Tabitha and moved slowly towards the wall. You're wrong, Hubal chuckled. (laughs) Right now you are terrified. I can smell it billowing off you, and with it... Your desperate craving for clemency. And isn't that, too, a form of prayer? A request for respite in this cruel, cruel world? Jonas lit a dagger from its cradle and then closed the distance to the wall. His eyes locked on Hubal, but his hand reached backwards and lifted an arrow from the display. You're right, Tabitha said. I'm terrified. I'm pissing myself. But I'm a Buddhist. In times of hardship, we don't plead to some bearded dude in the sky to save us. We're more about balance and inner peace. She hesitated, but then closed her eyes and took two deep breaths, a small smirk appearing on her face worthy of the Buddha. Jonah turned his body to hide his hands and began scratching the blade along the arrow shaft. Hubal's nostrils flared, sniffing the air, and his expression darkened. A cute trick, but inconsequential. I am more than happy to indoctrinate you into the church of God-fearing worship. Tabitha opened her eyes just as the guard launched themselves across the floor and Jonah pushed away from the wall. Tabitha screamed as Jonah crashed into Hubal, their outstretched hand raking the air in front of the tip of Tabitha's nose before being pulled away. Hubal's knee came up into Jonah's diaphragm, his lungs emptying in a giant huff, but he managed to keep his weight on top of the creature. He raised his arm and thrust the arrow deep into Hubal's side, feeling a pop as it broke skin and burrowed into viscera. The god screeched, the sound deafening. Jonah hit the ground, sucking in air, and scuttled away from the writhing figure. He watched as blood seeped around the arrow's shaft, the dark liquid pooling in the name he had scratched into the wood, spelling out Hubal in red lettering. Tabitha was behind him and pulled him up, her sweaty hand wrapping tight around his as the two stood and watched the gods thrashing slow and saw the red fade from their irises. Eventually, the form stilled. And they sagged shoulder to shoulder, any words of praise reserved only for each other. Jonah sat at his desk, orange light from the setting sun seeping in through his bedroom window, and tapped away at his phone. He glanced up, eyes settling on the jade star sitting beside his opened laptop, then returned to his device. You swear I can't do anything to make it up to you? Donuts? Tabitha's response came back quickly. Please don't mention food. Mum's been plying me with curries since she picked me up from hospital. Apparently she doesn't believe the doctor when she said it was just bruises and shock. Alright, go sleep off all that food. We'll catch up tomorrow, yeah? You know it. Maybe bring donuts. He smirked and set his phone down, then let his head roll back and massaged his fingers into his eyes. He was tired. More tired than he knew he could be. The past two days had worn away the little reserves he had left. He supposed he should be grateful he was already out of hospital and back home rather than in a prison cell. The doctor had cleared him after a series of scans and 24 hours of observation. The police had detained them for longer, having them run through their story five times and making them wait while they got a warrant for the footage from the security cameras spotted throughout Marius' mansion. After reviewing the tapes, they'd released them, deeming their actions as self-defence. An older officer had reassured him that any jury would see he and Tabitha had been trying to get away, and Marius was clearly the instigator, which was exactly the story they had told, leaving out the whole possession side of things. Jonah tucked a leg up, sank back into his chair and regarded his laptop screen. The Wikipedia page for Hubal was still open, and he deliberately moved the cursor and clicked it closed. The PDF he was meant to read for the now overdue essay took its place. He considered this for a lot longer before finally clicking the trackpad again. The article disappeared, and he felt a sense of relief. He reached out and lifted the jade ball from his desk. With a thumb, he traced the lines of the eight-pointed star, thinking of all the people who'd been drawn to this image over the millennia. A guiding line, a beacon put there by a god, leading them into a trap. A ding sounded from his computer. Jonah glanced up, and cold sweat broke out over his forehead. A notification bubble sat in the bottom corner of his screen, announcing a new video from Marius. For a long time, he didn't move, just stared at the impossible. Then, with a trembling finger, he clicked down and watched as the face that haunted him each time he closed his eyes filled the display. I'm back, he said, voice husky but calm, body relaxed. He looked tired but composed, and Jonah noticed his eyes had regained their blue colouring. I'm not going to talk about the past today, but the future instead. I wanted to make this announcement to you, my entourage, first. And it's a lot to swallow, so brace yourself. I am the son of God, Jonah gasped and let forward. So okay, take a moment, let it sink in. I know what you're thinking, old Marius has gone nuts. So let me offer you some proof. I'm sure some of you heard the news stories about a body found in the southwest suburbs. That was my body. Upcoming reports will confirm it and some photos will be leaked soon. I figured it was only fitting that my first miracle would be the last miracle I performed in my previous incantation. So here I am. On the third day, rising again. Marius spread his arms wide as if ready to embrace his loyal viewers. He glanced down at his wrist and smirked at the twin angry red scars. As you may have noticed, I bear the stigmata and... He twisted himself around and hiked up his top, revealing a barely closed wet wound just below his ribs. I also bear the mark of the spear, for the doubters out there. He winked at the camera while straightening his shirt and resettled himself in his chair. For those who have been paying attention... You already know why I've chosen this time for my second coming. Humanity is living through a new and unique age of sin. You see it, every day, displayed for the world on the same screen you're watching me on right now. No, no, it's okay. You're not a sinner just for watching. But how about some content to enrich the soul rather than sully it, huh? From this platform, I'll be able to reach into every device and the hearts of those operating them to spread the word of the Lord. That is my promise to you, my entourage. Marius shifted, leaning closer to the camera, and Jonah saw a sheen of red refract from the back of his irises, like a cat's eyes at night. As the light from his monitor played across them, a moan escaped from Jonah's throat, and he flung the jade star onto the floor, pushing away from it. I'm sure there are unbelievers out there, and that's okay, Hubal continued. To those I say simply this. Your doubts and questioning, your efforts to crucify me, are nothing more than another form of prayer. I know in my heart that you will come around and I will welcome you with open arms. As I always say, the entourage has room for all. For the faithful, I have only one request. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Thanks for listening to this month's short tale. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, to finish this episode off, I've recorded my reasons for choosing AR's story as the winner of the Short Tales short story competition. If that feels too self-indulgent for your tastes, fair enough. But if that sounds like your kind of thing, then listen on. Firstly, I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who submitted their stories to the competition, truly. Truly. Not only was it thrilling to see some new stories coming my way, it was also wonderful to see the different ways people applied the prompts and the stories that sprung from them. And there were some bangers. Some of the writing on display was exceptional with stories that were moving and characters that I immediately wanted to follow into further stories. So if that was you, thanks so much. As for this story, well... It was exactly my kind of jam. I love genre stories, stories that take our world and make them exaggerated by being more fantastical or dangerous or mysterious or strange. That's what I love to write, and that's also what I love to read. And it was that element which drew me into this story and kept me riveted all the way through. It took an old idea of a mysterious artifact and a demon god and paired it with something new, streaming culture. I love the idea of being home alone at night, having gone down a YouTube rabbit hole, and finding a video that has something inexplicable take place in it, that causes you to want to know more, and that forces you even further down the rabbit hole if you want answers. It's the dark, threatening side of the internet, that it's this well of knowledge, and at the base of which is information that's better off being left alone. It's fertile ground for storytelling, as Parosia clearly shows. And then there's the twist. The rewriting of mythology, that too is my jam. It's something humans seem to love to do, to retell and twist our oldest stories and has been done countless times from Nordic mythology and Greek mythology and Egyptian mythology and plenty others by writers like Neil Gaiman and Joe Walton all the way to blockbuster studios like Disney and Marvel. And here we see it being done again, but excitingly for me at least on the mythology I was raised with. I also think the idea of the second coming and gaining worship from being an influencer is brilliant. On top of that, I found the writing welcoming and engaging, a feat that seems simple, but that can be very hard to do. So thank you so much, AR, for submitting. I really enjoyed reading your story, and I hope the rest of you enjoyed listening to it. Alright, those are all my thoughts, but if you have any that you'd like to share, please do. You can write to me at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at MiddayPajamas. Also, while this podcast will always be free, if you'd like to throw a few extra dollars my way, you can do so by visiting co-fi.com forward slash Damien Robb, or you can find all the appropriate links in the episode show notes. Until next time, this has been Short Tales, and I've been Damien Rob.